She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. I want to break it into pieces and love all of them. It's a tragic romance like Romeo and Juliet. Big hair, big eyeshadow, like... I want it to be I love you. He would give me cards that said, I like you, go Browns. That man's creepy, period. During band camp season. I I, I have zero stories of that. We're all singing today. (laughs) (laughs) Are we adopting some sort of weird, like, NPR voice or something? We're going to be all... On today's episode, friends. I'm told when I talk that way, it's disconcerting to others. So maybe not. Mm, I concur. (laughs) So it's just I'm extra. (laughs) So guess what I did this week? Well, I know. (laughs) Well, I found my Kindle. Oh, oh, okay. I was like, we were talking about the dance, but that's been missing a while. Yes. So my Kindle has been missing for a while. I have a Kindle paper wipe. Like a long not, while. Where was it? Um, it's been missing for a really long time. It was on my bookshelf with all my other books. I mean, technically it is a book. So, so valid location. Why would it be where it was supposed to be, right? But I needed it because uh, we have a few books coming up that I own on ebook. Ah, uh, yeah. So I, you know. But also this week, I hosted a middle school dance. Yeah, no, I don't miss those. <laughs> Why would you do that? I, well, my students, um, I'm the gifted teacher at my school, and my right. students uh, hosted the dance as a fundraiser for our local animal shelter, and mm-hmm. they raised over $1,600, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it's a combination of the kids, like, haven't had anything to do for a few years right um so they wanted to like do the things um, did they go crazy they did so it definitely started like an awkward middle school dance like i was like having to push people like into the gym like standing like right in the doorway so <laughs> i start going go be, go be awkward somewhere else <laughs> go further into the gym go be awkward further into the gym uh but by the end be of the night inside, not outside Right. But by the end of the night, um, everyone was having a great time. Uh, the DJ played Backstreet Boys and the Macarena. And I was like, why the hell do my it's students flashbacks know? now. Kids love well, it. Well, yeah, it's a combination of like TikTok and like the DJ was like, well, their parents are millennials. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. My girls know the electric slide because of elementary school gym. Well, how do you not know the electric slide? Like, that's just, <laughs> that's just everybody knows it. Um, uh. But yeah, I mean, it was a good time. I was really proud of the kids. They did the things. I'm a little sore today. Um, I've I really, bet. I've really you bad. had a hard week. You've been going hard yeah. all week. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have okay, issues. Was there crying? Kids. Because if there's no crying, it doesn't count as a middle school. Oh, yeah. There were definitely kids crying for sure. Yep, yep, because there's happened. at least one awkward breakup. At a yeah. middle school dance. There were a few kids crying, and there was a boy who, he was working up the courage all week to ask this girl to dance with him. He brought her a heart-shaped box of chocolate. Aww. And she was so uncomfortable that she had an anxiety attack. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> My week was not that fun. The boy um, was really sweet, though. I, I have to say that he's a sweet boy. 
Um, we're still in the middle of dealing with strike. They are on a rolling 24 hour yeah. contingent with marathon. Neither side can agree. And yeah. then last night, the city of Texas city lost power taking also taking down at every plant that Matt work. That's oh a part of Matt's work. So let's add insult injury to right. what's going on right now out there. Right. Now, are um, they officially striking or so negotiations? They they're in. So, Marathon has offered their last best offer, and the union how has to decide what they want to do mm. if they're going to strike or if they're going to take it. So they have to have all these meetings with mm. all the union members. And everybody votes, and it's a whole de- democratic process that takes longer mm. than it should. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, we got Girl Scout cookies in. Um, we can start selling those next week. Don't be shamelessly plugging your Girl Scout cookies on our podcast. (laughs) Okay. We're not, I don't have Girl Scout cookies. I lied. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see me talking about the hams my sons are selling for Easter for (laughs) Cubs. No, you would never talk about the hams the boys are selling for Cub Scouts. (laughs) Never. I would never talk about the hams, the Smithfield hams. Hashtag but they're sponsored. selling. But they're selling for thirty dollars between nine and ten pounds a ham. Right, and I don't sell. We don't start selling Girl Scout cookies <laughs> next Saturday. <laughs> My next Saturday, not the podcast next Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're a little ahead of where we normally are at this point. <laughs> Word. So I will be already in heavy into cookie season, mm. which is not fun, but whatever. It's a mom's well, job to make it easier for the child, I, right? I feel like I've gained a little bit of weight lately, and I'm not feeling so great about that. But I definitely have ordered like fifty dollars in Girl, Girl Scout cookies I mean, already. It's hard so. not to; they're freaking fantastic. Well, I freeze them, and I usually Same. it takes me a few months to eat them. But like, I Same. I probably need to stop eating my feelings after work. And. Eh. Um, I approve. Okay. I do the same. Um, so this All right, week. So let's talk about this book. So this yes. week is our last week of romantic books for February. And I, for this I've, pick, I, or, I, listen, I, when I pick I, this book again, so I read this book when it, oh gosh, when we read it for our book club forever ago. And here's the thing. I remember the book being romantic. I remember them being so sweet with each other. And I remember these words that were like, oh, Right to my soul. Right. I forgot. How, the depressing part. How rough this book actually is. So when I oh, picked it's this so book depressing. for Romance Month, it probably wasn't the best choice. But we are talking it's, about Eleanor and Park. It's the most realistic one, I think, though, out of um, all of our think, romance books. banging an escort until you get engaged is realistic? <laughs> no. No, I, I, I have zero stories of that, but I've heard sir, 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 several stories like this. So and this, I'm sober, gang. This is just me not being able to talk. So this book uh, won a uh, Prince Honor Award, Award for Excellence in Young Adult Literature from ALA, and oh, it is by Rainbow Rowell. It is our second book we've covered of hers on who the pod. we're a big fan of. We're huge fans. So um, I have the special edition of this book, which includes fan art. So I'd just like to take a minute to show some of that Ready? off if you are watching us on YouTube. This one's my favorite here. I mean, that is just yeah, so it's just gorgeous. Good. So gorgeous. So um, and then here's one. I honestly think this one looks a lot like Rainbow Rowell, if you've ever seen a picture of her. Yeah. Um, yeah, it and does. And this one here. 
And um, so that's some fan art. When we read Fangirl, I also showed off the um, special edition of that, which included fan art. Rainbow Rowell really loves her fans, and um, she does have special editions of all of her books, mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool. It is. It's so awesome. synopsis? Yes, please. All right. Eleanor is new to school. She makes her grand entrance on Park's bus one morning, looking completely out of place with her big red hair, mismatched clothes, and her completely awkward search for a seat. Park stupidly makes space for for her next to him, even though others are watching and he really shouldn't. But that one choice starts a series of events where Park begins to see Eleanor, not as beautiful, but as art. And Eleanor begins to see Park as the safe space she's never had. This book explores first love, family trauma, and the dynamics of being a high school student in 1986. It is not a traditional romance story, but it is one that makes you feel. Oh, and it talks about being biracial, a biracial couple in the 80s. Yeah, and not just not just because Eleanor and Parker are a biracial couple, but his parents are as well. Right, right. His dad is. God, I love his parents. Like, Park is actually biracial. He's uh, Vietnamese American, I think is. I thought Korean. Korean, you're right. Korean. Excuse me, I was thinking of the love Kiss quotient again. Mm-hmm. Um, they were Vietnamese. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that book's always on your mind, isn't it? <laughs> well, I just listened to the episode today. So. Okay, that's a valid reason. It's stuck in my head. Um, I also returned the book to the library today. Yeah. Please use your local libraries. We at Book Besties support our local libraries. I just checked out two books from there, and um, James checked out two graphic novels and has already devoured most of one and was laughing the entire time. So there you go. <laughs> That's a W. That's a W. That kid loves graphic novels. Um, All right. So can we jump into the questions? What do you think? Please. All right. I'd like that. So this was your first time reading it, reading this book, but it was not your first Rainbow Rowell because we've Mm -hmm. read Fangirl for the pod. Right. Um, How do you think this book compares to Fangirl? You know, they're both love stories, but they're so different. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It feels like, even though I know they're written by the same author, it really feels like it's written by two different people. Oh, you think so? I don't agree. I feel like um, the two of them feel so more similar than like way, her Simon Snow series that she's got going on, which is like where the, the way. Hell did that come from? I mean, I'm not talking like the love aspect, but like the way the story's broken down, the way the story's told. Fangirl mm-hmm. feels like you're traveling through the time with them a little bit at a quicker pace right things Mm. are happening faster in fangirl because it's a school year well i mean this is a school year too too but it just it feels and i'm not saying slow in a bad way but it feels Mm -hmm. like it's just progresses slower like Mm. it's a slow burn love right they Mm. slowly fall in love they slowly understand the problems of their lives like i would say levi and um kath are also a slow burn I mean, right, but it wasn't the primary focus in that book, I don't feel like. I, I, uh, yeah, I guess it wasn't the primary focus. It was more about Kath finding who she was. But I yeah. don't know. I feel like this book definitely feels like a rainbow route. Her foray into this fantasy world of Simon Snow is weird to me. That doesn't yeah. feel like rainbow yeah. route. Well, I haven't read those, but I feel like these... These books feel like cousins, not siblings. Does that make sense? I do agree that that, I think that that makes sense to me. That but makes sense? 
Yeah, but um, listeners understand what I'm talking about. They're cousin books. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, They're cousins. They're just cousins. But I think it's more. I don't think it's the writing. I think it's the tone. And it could be that too. I mean, like Catherine and um, Eleanor are both broken. Right. But Park and and and, uh, oh gosh, I just forgot the name of her boyfriend and. what is Kath's boyfriend's name? Levi. They're Levi. both broken. Um, but if, well, I, I can, okay. I can, I more relate to Eleanor than I do Kath. Mm-hmm. So I put myself more into this book than I feel like I can put myself into the other book. Mm-hmm. So and that also makes it different for me as well. Right. I mean, I feel like I relate to both characters for different reasons. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with you that it, it could be more like they're cousins and less like they're siblings. Or they're but, like Which one was written that, first? Uh, I think this one was. Or they're siblings like the way my brothers are, my um, my sons are, are siblings and they don't look anything alike, but they definitely I mean, have the same parents. I mean, look at my two. My but yours like, re- resemble each other enough. There are times, like right now with your hair like that, I think even though I know Liv is a blonde, I feel like... Because she's got my nose. She's got my nose. That girl's got my nose. So this was 2013. So I'm pretty sure this one was first. Okay. Um, but That kind of makes sense. You can see if I'm taking what I know about Fangirl and my memory of reading that in this, you can definitely see how her writing has matured. That actually, it says Fangirl was published in 2013. Also, so when the when the that fun, doesn't make published, sense. Did she published two books in one year. No, she couldn't. No, no, no. Um, uh, we'll put it in the notes. Yeah, fuck it. We'll put it in notes. Um, but no, I feel like I I get they're both rainbow, but yes, this one, this one, well. this one feels more like. Sh- more personal. This one feels more autobiographical. Than I mean, I don't know that I don't know that Rainbow Rowell had this kind of trauma in her life, and no, I'm so I, sorry if she did. But when I think of Eleanor, I see Rainbow Rowell. I it just feels maybe brighter red hair than what she has. But. It just feels more personal the way mm-hmm. this one's written. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, they're definitely both set in the same city. Right. Um, yeah. What about you? What did you think? Um, Are they book cousins? I, yeah, I can agree with that. This one was written in 2012. I looked it up. It is her first book. I'm trademarking that, by the way. Book cousins. I like it. We need to trademark book besties before somebody comes up and tries to snatch. I'll fucking punch them in the face. <laughs> All right, this book is not a typical romance like the others that we've read this month. Do you right. still think it's romantic? And did you enjoy reading them fall in love? It is romantic. And it's a tragic romance like mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet. Oh. Well, you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it's not the whole we're family. I mean, it is family. It is Romeo and Juliet adjacent, right? Like family keeping them apart, whole mm-hmm. thing. But there's there's such a sadness mm-hmm. to Eleanor that just radiates off the page. Yeah. And um, that kind of dampers and mutes the love story. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
I think the first time I read it, I was sucked more into the love story. And mm-hmm. this time when I read it as a more adult adult, I was more like, grown grown. I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. This is but it, I mean, it hard. is. Well, and I, also was, I was reading it through the filter of just having read three books in a row. That right. Were, that were exactly. Books. And I feel like if I read this without those backers. It might be completely different. Well, and something that we've talked about all month, I don't typically read romance novels. So for me, this is more what I read. People that really fall for each other and need each other and and save each other. But, I mean, you you fall in love with them at the same time. Oh, yeah, you do. You slowly fall in love with Eleanor the way Park falls in love with her. And you slowly fall in love with Park the way Eleanor falls in love with him. It is just... And I mean, I know I'm skipping it's ahead great. to the end of the book, but when they're in the truck together, oh, oh fuck and she, me and, and her. And they, <laughs> yep, they essentially we don't actually we can infer that they have sex mm-hmm. at the end of the book. It's and insinuated, when and when they do that, you feel like they've this is the end. That's it. Like they this is, this they've this reached the point in that relationship, and this is what's going to be the end for them. Their mother um, story's over, man. It's really sad. It's heartbreaking. Um, and actually, and I'll link this in the notes. Um, I read, oh, was it? It wasn't an article. I'm sorry. I won't be able to read this, link this in the notes because this is in the special edition. Um, there's an interview in here with uh, Rainbow Rowell in the special edition copy. And she's asked if she'll write a sequel for this. And what she says is that she's tried several times to write a sequel to Eleanor and Park, but the book blew up. You just can't. And she said she would never be able to write a story that would make anyone happy, everyone happy with where she takes the characters. And so she's kind of just decided to leave it alone because, um, the characters are like beloved. Like there's right. a whole fandom well, behind Eleanor right. and Park. And well, and well, in what did Hank, not Hank, uh, John Green had a TikTok the other day that said he does not believe once those characters are out there, his characters no longer belong to him. Well, they belong to the fans, and that's what she's pretty much saying. These right. guys belong to you guys now. Right, and actually, uh, that's a part of one of the things we'll talk about when we talk about the Fault in Our Stars because. That 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 theory actually comes up in the Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. um, so we'll talk more about that then. But um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like you've reached that point where the story is clearly over for them, and I honestly appreciate that it's not a happy ending story. Well, and they're high schoolers, you they're know, high schoolers, and I mean, she leaves the ending open ended, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we're jumping ahead, but I mean, that postcard, we don't know what's on it. Period. Ooh, that's what that's one of my questions. So we'll okay, come back we'll to get that. To it. We'll get to it. <laughs> but it's just open ended. And but I, I but I feel like in a lot of ways that's more like that is in and of itself makes it the happy ending. What Eleanor needed was not to be with Park forever and ever and ever. But she needed to know he was still out there. Right. She needed safety and a home. Grown ups that actually cared cared for her. Um. And so to me. The love story is them finding each other and them saving each other. And they yeah. did that. They did. I, you know. And Park's, Park, Eleanor saves Park too because Park actually learns to stand up for himself. He learns and, who he is. Yeah, he does. When he's with her. Yeah. And I really expected her dad, his dad, to just jump in at some point mm-hmm. and be like, okay, 
enough's yeah. enough. I know this family. We're taking care of this girl. But he never right. did. Well, he does have that conversation with Eleanor in the driveway where he tells her. different. Right. Yeah. Different. All right. We pretty quickly learn that Eleanor's home life is awful. She was kicked out by her stepdad for an entire year and is just now back with her family. As the book goes on, we get even more glimpses at the trauma she's experiencing at home. How did you respond to these revelations? Not great. Um, (laughs) Not great. Um, I was (laughs) lots of cheers. Um, First, I'm really. Anxiety meds. Yeah. I won. I was really pissed at the mom's best friend for not calling CPS. As soon, you know what I mean? I know it's the 80s and they didn't do that back then and you mind your own business. But obviously, this child got kicked out for being Mm -hmm. herself Mm -hmm. and trying to protect her siblings. And you're just going to take care of her and let her sleep on your couch until her stepdad, evil stepfather, just calms down? That's bullshit. And we don't know for sure, but I kind of suspect that the whole reason that Eleanor's mom came back to get her was it because she wanted to take her back or she felt it was a safe space. I think she was that, afraid she was afraid I think that they that were it, gonna call CPS. Mm-hmm. Or her and her friends were like, You need to get her out of here. Like they were Or she, I'm kicking right. her out myself. Right. I just uh I don't know. And it's always a crap situation when the oldest child becomes the adult. For the other siblings. But it happens so frequently. It so happens so much. Mm-hmm. And But we're getting to a point where there are so many siblings that know to tell mm-hmm. trusted grown-ups. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've heard stories of kids just telling on adults at school, you know? Yeah. Like, well, hey, my uncle touched my brother. Help me. <laughs> right? Well, and Eleanor's not afraid to report. She calls the police. Because she right. has gunshots. Like, she's not right. afraid to report. Um, and so... She's afraid what's going to happen to her siblings, though, if he, she gets kicked out again. Yeah, and I think she's also... It's self-preservation as well, because, um, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, there's some shady shit that's happening Ugh. that I think she was worried if she stepped too far out of line, part, she would be violated, essentially. Right. That man's creepy, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, what was the other part of your question? I'm uh, how, it was just, how do you feel, respond to these revelations? Oh, like, how did crap. you feel? Oh, like crap. Oh yeah. Um, it's this, bullshit. This book is, is like feel good and trauma at the same time. It's, it's like, like your, it's like chocolate ice cream with pickle ice cream. It's going to be disgusting and awesome at the same time. But you know what? To me, that's what makes it more authentic because I feel like if you are somebody like Eleanor, you are looking for someone like Park. You're looking for a family that like loves you, has their shit together. And even if it's only on the outside and um, I mean, none of us, they include you, you know, they include you. And I mean, wordless chaotic. Right. And Park's mom isn't like, okay with Eleanor being over all the time initially. And then they see, she sees their family in the grocery store at Christmas. And then it clicks for her. It clicks with her. Oh, well, and you know, and it, and I think that's the great thing about books like this. Mm -hmm. When you're in situations like this, like Park's mother related to Eleanor, Mm -hmm. right? She saw, that Eleanor was struggling. She saw what was going on just mm-hmm. in that five minutes because of her life. Us right. as readers, if we've had, if you've had any trauma, you instantly flash back and can relate. Right. So, well, it, it's, and, 
It's and a I feel writing. Like, I feel like this is a good segue to something you wanted to talk about because uh, you wanted to talk about Eleanor's clothes. Yes. And one of the reasons why Park's mom doesn't like her is because Park's mom is a cosmetologist and an Avon lady in a the beautician. 80s. She beautician. loves being called a beautician. So you have to think big hair, big yes. eyeshadow. Blue, like, I did my eyes just color just for her. Nice. <laughs> Um, so you have to think about the fact that what she's looking for is someone and the way that she dresses together. as well. She's put, she's looking for someone that's, that looks like her and not necessarily like exactly like her, but she wants her son to be with somebody more like Tina who right. gets her hair done and wears right. the nice clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whatever. Uh, so let's talk but about Eleanor's, right to her. Yeah. So let's talk about Eleanor's clothes for a minute. Um, at first, as a reader, you think it's like um, a fashion choice. Yeah, I think she's a little weird. Like she just I mean, maybe wants to be weird. Like, I wore I, a, a men's fedora for all of my freshman year of high school. Mostly, I, I wore grandpa shirts like most of college, like legit um, grandpa shirts. I, I wore the fedora with overalls. I wore the fedora with um, plaid shirts because the plaid shirts were really hip in the late nineties. Um, I wore the fedora to be everywhere. Fair. So were fedoras. Um, but not the way I was doing it. I will send you pictures. You know what? I will have my mom send it to me and I will put it in the stories of this episode. Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) But I found that fedora at a, uh, not Goodwill, um, Salvation Army when I was shopping with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Because Arvina always let us go cry wild at, uh, at Salvo because everything's a quarter. (laughs) And but I got mocked relentlessly. Yeah, still wore though. I had to be freaking. I was determined not to. But circling back to Eleanor, (laughs) sorry, not not to uh, derail your train of thought about your fedora. But um, I missed that thing. Anyways, (laughs) don't bring it back. Um, (laughs) uh, Eleanor's clothes. She like sticks like. Safety pins, decorations on stuff, and you think it's because she's like being like weird, like maybe she's just. I mean, like I had a student like my third year teaching that wore a tail, like right, but that's like 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 a style. That's like a style. That's like an emo aesthetic, though. It's fucking weird. But anyway, um, I think I think Eleanor wore the clothes she wore the way she wore them, hoping somebody would see her. So that could be part of it, but we actually do learn that like her whole her clothes had holes in them and things. Right. And so she was hiding the, the fact holes. that she was yeah. poor. Right. And I mean she's washing them in the bathtub, the same mm-hmm. the same one she has to take a bath. Yeah, they in don't and... have laundry. Um and they the, their bath their bathtub. What? Then the asshole girls in gym class. Right. And then the bathroom like they don't really have a bathroom it's like a part no, of the kitchen and there was a curtain but there was a curtain down. to block the bathtub so you'd have privacy but he took it down before eleanor moved back in dick period how is a mom do you i i can't i, I don't can't. know let's move on um Self all right preservation i guess but to me you put your kids first you, right. pre- you preserve your the, the life you created. That's a whole other topic. Right. 
All right, Park has a completely different home life than Eleanor. His parents openly express love to each other regularly, and Park and his brother are well cared for. Uh, Do you think that's what drew Eleanor to him? No. No? I think it was the kindness. Hmm. He was the first person that was kind to, I mean, he begrudgingly was kind to her at first. Right. (laughs) And then, like, he, he, and, and he even took, like, baby steps. First, he just let her read over his shoulder. Then he let her borrow the comics. Then it, it just, you know, then mm-hmm. it was the headphones and it was just this gradual thing where he just mm-hmm. was just slowly warming up to her. And I think it was about him and it wasn't the home life. My favorite thing he does for her early on is that he asks his grandmother for batteries for it's his for birthday. Chris. Yes. And that's what he asked her for his birthday so he could give them to Eleanor. Eleanor. Oh my gosh. It's super sweet. It's super sweet. It's amazing. It's super sweet. He didn't really understand why she took the batteries. Like, he was like, that girl's weird. Why didn't she just take the Walkman? But she had a Walkman. She didn't have batteries. batteries. Yeah. Oh, oh, so sweet. Very sweet. So I think it was combination of the fact that he was nice to her and they Mm -hmm. started to, you know, kind of like each other together. But I do think um, her being a part of the family of his family, like being in that presence, I think that was attractive to her because it was stable and it wasn't having that feeling of stability when Mm -hmm. your world is chaotic is lovely. Right. Right. I mean, it reminds me of like, to a lesser extent when Tom and I were talking about like getting married, right. So we're still dating um, and talking about getting married. Like I told him like, to me, I come from a, a divorced family. My mom has been divorced several times. Um, my grandparents are really the only people that ever mm-hmm. stayed together. Like everybody gets divorced and I just don't want that for my life. So if we're in it, we're in it forever, whatever it takes, therapy, whatever we mm-hmm. have, we're in it together. Whereas Tom's parents have been married forever and his grandparents were married forever. Both, both sets of grandparents. And so like to him, that's just normal. Yeah. That's what you do. Right. You get married and you're together forever. So to me, like it's it, that, that's how I relate right. to it. Like, it's like, Oh, well that's really attractive that you have that thing that I always wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I get that. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I, I was really surprised when we start to get to know his parents mm-hmm. and they see like, she's getting comfortable mm-hmm. and like, you know, and her dad, his dad has that whole conversation with her about having dinner at the house. And mm-hmm. I really, I don't know. I expected more as a person that had served and like that Marine, I, I got Marine vibes. I don't, they mm-hmm. never say what branch he was in, but I got Marine vibes. I think, yeah, I think you're right. They don't say, but you know what, you know what though, Molly, I think it's the code of that neighborhood. Right. You don't inform on other people in the neighborhood because like later in the book, when Eleanor is running away, uh, nobody she, like nobody says anything. Well, Tina, right? Well, Tina actually invites her in after this girl has bullied her relentlessly this right. whole book. But she can Tina, see the panic on her right. face, and then they start talking about fucking stepdads, right? <laughs> so that to me tells me Tina. Was, Tina's got a shit life too, man. Who knows what sort of abuse she was subjected to? But it almost sounds like her stepdad was trying to touch her or did touch her and right. was not cool. Um, and so like there, it's the code of that neighborhood. Right. Right. And and in a lot of ways it's the code of poverty. 
Right. You don't inform on your neighbors. I'm actually just going to say about that. I, it really is about income in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like, even though Park's father and mother have more money than the rest of the area, they're mm-hmm. still from that neighborhood. Right. And, but he grew, he, he said very early, he grew up in that neighborhood. Right. He grew up with the stepdad. He knows right. that guy. He knows right. what he's like. He, right. It, I don't right. know. Right. Well, it's shit. It's, it's shit. shit. Why do you think Park was initially reluctant to claim Eleanor, even though he clearly had feelings for her? Oh, I truly think he's already feels like an outsider. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was the only kid that wasn't white, right? Mm-hmm. There were very few kids of color in their school in general. Yep. So, he already sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that to be like rude or just dis- mm-hmm. disrespectful. He, right. it's the eighties and he's biracial mm-hmm. and not like African-American, what is more seen in the South, but Korean, which mm-hmm. you don't see many Koreans or people well, of Asian descent at all there. And they're not really, I mean, they're in uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So, right. So, so, and so, he, I honestly think he didn't want another target on his back. Mm-hmm. He didn't want a bigger target. Absolutely. He was already like the object of bullying. Right. Why bring and, more trouble on yourself? And I'm not even sure, like, I'm not sure he wouldn't behave that way even if Eleanor weren't like weird and dressed weird. Like, right. I think he would still feel uncomfortable claiming anyone because. Well, she was still a new girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, you had to date the new girl. That would have right. been a thing, right? Like, right. there would always be something, right. Right? right? And it doesn't seem like Park was necessarily popular, but, like, no. he also didn't want to toe out a line. Like, just stay was, on the line, you know. He was invisible. Line. And right. invisible is what, if Sometimes you are that's desirable. I know. I was the right. weird kid. Right. Being the weird kid and being invisible is a lot right. better than being the weird kid and being the object of right. their freaking attraction. Right. Yeah. But, it, I mean, and he even was like that with his own parents and his right. grandparents. He was like, no, I'm not, I'm not dating her. She's not my girlfriend. Well, and I feel like he, he seems like somebody that's just treading water. Mm-hmm. Till he can get out of there and move on to the next stage in life. Like, he is yeah. just holding out till he can leave, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and having someone, be it Eleanor, his brother, his mm-hmm. parents, and holding attachments keeps him there. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Park has kissed other girls. He has held hands with other girls. But Eleanor is completely different for him. Uh, to me, this is Rainbow talking about the difference between being young and, quote unquote, going out and mm-hmm. first loves. So I thought it might be fun to talk about our first loves. Okay. So what was your first, who was your first love? My high school sweetheart. hmm Brian Blackwell. We dated from my freshman year till the end of my sophomore, my senior, no, end of my junior year. Wow. Um, Yeah, we were together a long time. Um, When he graduated, he was a year older than me. When he graduated, Mm -hmm. he was happy staying in town. Mm. And I knew going into my senior year, 
I had to get out of there. I yeah. I couldn't stay. And I mean, for a mid of reasons, I just, mm-hmm. I needed to see something outside of Nichols. And I knew mm-hmm. as much as Brian loved me and as I, much as I loved him, we were going to want different things in a year's time. Yeah. And that just put us on different paths. He's, now- he's living a great life. He's super happy now. He has a beautiful daughter and a wonderful wife. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, we talk to each other, we text each other and message each other on our birthdays. And that's weird. It No, because <laughs> we were friends first. I was his friend before anything else. And I, I I, I've said wanna... that before. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Relationships need to be based on friendship. Period. I agree. I agree. And if Tom you and I can, were not friends. <laughs> well, that was different. You guys met online. <laughs> we met um, through an algorithm. <laughs> right. But if you are dating somebody that you know in real life, mm-hmm. if you don't have a friendship base, there's nothing yeah. to ba- hold the relationship together. So right. having a friendship with somebody that you already had a friendship with doesn't seem weird to me. Yeah, I guess. And I, I, I honestly can say, and I can say a hundred percent, unless something extreme happens and something in Matthew and I, God forbid, ever divorce, I know he will be my friend. I, I know just, for I'm a fact. I'm just too bitter to still be friends with this. <laughs> oh no! If Matthew did something to scorn me, oh, you bet your sweet bippy. But if it was amicable and it was a joint agreement and nothing fishy was going on. Life happens. No. What about you? Uh, my first love would be Adam Diener, who we started dating right before my sophomore year mm-hmm. um, during band camp season. We were both oh. in marching band together, and we also were in the same youth group at church. Wait, what did he play? He played trumpet, of course. And what did you play? Mellophone, marching oh. French horn. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really good to, like, I mean – like he actually pursued music professionally, not trumpet, but he works in uh, like sound engineering essentially. Cool. Um, but uh, he and I were at like I was best friends with his sister, so it was kind of messy when we first started dating. But yeah, I um, but uh, we dated for a year and a half, and he mm-hmm. was really my first boyfriend. Like outside of like elementary school when Adam and Tuda and I would like hang out at each other's house and he would give me cards that said, I like you go Browns. Um, (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, so we dated for a year and a half. We broke up for terrible reasons and um, it it was very hurtful. Um, So I'm not going to go into them, but he was also a senior when we broke up and I was a junior. Um, and so it probably wouldn't have worked out after that anyway. Um, but when I, I don't have a huge dating history. Like, um, I have had three significant relationships in my life. I've been dating since the seventh grade. (laughs) Since before Tom. Um, sorry, mom. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I, it's not that I wasn't dating. It's that I didn't really have relationships i had three significant relationships before tom and adam was the first one and when i met tom and i fell in love with him very quickly i started to realize that what i felt for those other guys wasn't it wasn't really love Mm -hmm. um it was i don't it's not lust either it's some sort of weird thing that you feel as high schoolers that you think is love. love 
but you're not really capable of understanding the depths well, of it. And, and I, I not, that's not to say people can't marry their high school sweetheart. I mean, I definitely no, absolutely people can, and they can be very happy. Um, my best friend is married to her high school sweetheart. Um, that's amazing. But, but for me, what I felt for them was flirtatious and butterflies and juvenile. And what right. I feel for Tom, I mean, it, not that it didn't start as butterflies and flirtation, but it's so solid now. Like when he walks into a room and he's looking hot that day, I'm not going to say I don't get butterflies, but they're different. They feel different. Like it feels like it's a warmth. Something. It's a joy. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's something solid. Butterflies right. are, this is, could go away at any point in time. Right. right? Um, but I feel something solid now. Right. When I read this question, I thought mm-hmm. about this for a while about who was my first love because mm-hmm. um, there was another boy. But mm-hmm. the more I thought of, about him, um, his name was Stephen Cox. Um, Stephen passed away. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to cry. Um, Stephen committed suicide uh, a couple of years ago, and we were really good friends off and on our whole mm-hmm. childhood. But what I had with Stephen in middle school. When he was an eighth grader and I was a seventh grader. So, you know, the older boys, Mm. older boys. But Stephen was puppy love, right? Mm -hmm. He came off as a bad boy. We knew nothing about each other. We didn't talk outside of the bus or in school. Mm -hmm. Right. It it was, um, it felt secretive. And and I think that was part of the draw of it, right? And he was moody and broody and, and, you know, and didn't talk to a lot of people. And, and I mean, that is what drew me into Steven. And I mean, we talked and we got Mm -hmm. to know each other, but it wasn't the solid heart filling thing that I had with Brian, you know? Right. And I mean, but I will always say Steven was my first boyfriend. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, Adam was a good first boyfriend. He was a good first love, good high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he was a really good guy. And we had so much in common because we were in band together and youth group together. Um, We just had a lot in common. He played basketball. I played softball. He stopped playing basketball after his junior year. But um, and then we did pet band together. So we were together a lot. Um, We were really good. Things just lined up. Right. He, he was six, seven. Mm-hmm. So he started my love of very tall men. Um, my husband is only an inch taller than me on a good day. He's <laughs> shrinking. Um, but I actually. He makes this too. But if he, you tell that to his face, he calls you a liar. But I actually prefer being able to look him in the eye. It's really nice. <laughs> it's nice. Um, <sighs> all right. Anyway, Eleanor has a lot of bullies in her life, including Tina. And yeah. a mysterious person writing disgusting things on her books. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to learn the person writing the notes was Eleanor's stepdad, Richie? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I knew he was skeezy. I knew he was abusive. I knew mm-hmm. he was like when she walks in home for the first time after being kicked out and she sees her sister on his lap mm-hmm. and the tone and the feeling she gets from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it the unease she has, mm-hmm. I go, oh, my God, get that child off. I didn't know anything about this man. And I was mm-hmm. like, get that child off his lap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised and I wasn't surprised. Like, I didn't want to be right about him. Right. Because they already have enough going on. Yeah. But, like. Well, we don't actually hear that he 
it's it's insinuated right but there's this there's a part where it's like uh eleanor mentions that he looks at her like um he's it's that he will eventually just yeah it's just a matter of time right it's just a matter of time he's he's gonna get bored one day and just beating and and beating her mother and Mm -hmm. just come for her and i that is right yeah Right. Yeah. I I was surprised it was him because I just didn't like the book was leaning that it was Tina or one of Tina's gang. But um, he does say to her when she comes back from hanging out with Park one day Mm -hmm. at the school steps or whatever, he says nothing but a bitch in heat. Yeah. You can say that to someone. A a teen, a teen, a child girl, a child, a 16 year old girl. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. What a horrible movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, trash can. Yeah. Trash can. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the ending. There are some key things that stick out to me. Park's dad helps them leave. Mm-hmm. Eleanor comes back outside even when she said she wouldn't. Yep. And the postcard she sends at the end. So here's my first question. What are your thoughts on the ending? <sighs> It was, it was, okay, for me, now I'm insinuating because it was left open-ended. For me, I assumed, based off their relationship, it was Eleanor just telling her, him, he's fine, and that it's pretty much a goodbye, right? That he doesn't have to worry anymore. He doesn't have to wait anymore. He needs to move on with his life. Are you talking I, about the ending or the postcard? Because I'm just talking the about postcard. the ending. And, oh, oh, I was sorry. talking about the ending sorry. in general because I'm going to talk about the postcard next. Okay, so I like the ending. I like that she got to get escape. I like that he mm-hmm. helped. I love that his dad helped. Oh and, my gosh, you, that was beautiful. It was very sweet. I cried when he came out. I mean, oh, I did too. I mean, he, he came came out, very, he, he, he and he's like, he's like, like, you have enough cash. He goes, yes. As soon as he goes, do you right. have enough cash? I start sobbing right. and I go, right. oh my God, he goes, take right. the truck. It has more fuel. <laughs> well, like, he also made him take the truck so he could prove he could drive stick. But Which we always knew he could. Right. But right. when your dad's yelling at you, put it in second. Put it in second. You're, right. Yeah. Right. But I feel like that moment of when Park realizes his dad is on his side, when he hasn't been certain because the whole book he feels like he's like, an outsider in his home. Yeah. Right. He worries that he not worries, but he wonders if he's gay. He wonders if he's too feminine. He feels like his dad doesn't like him as well because he's more feminine. Right. Right. Because he likes hanging out with his mom and he right. the eyeliner. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So to have his dad be like, you're going to save that girl. Go do it. Like do it. You know, right. instead of saying, you know, take her back home or we'll call the police. Although he does say if he's touched her, we're calling the police. Like we're not. Right. Which. So I, I also thought it was great that when she got to the aunt and uncle's house, it wasn't, what the fuck are you doing here? It was, oh my like, God, we got to get all of them. We've got to get all of yeah. them out of that situation. Well, and, and like his aunt's react, her aunt's reaction. As soon as she saw Eleanor, she knew it got bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. As soon as she realized that Eleanor found a way to make it there, mm-hmm. she just looked at her husband and goes, we need to get your nieces and nephews. Right. And we, we don't know what prompted them to invite her there for the summer anyway, but I kind of feel like they I already knew something I, was going on. I honestly, I my feeling is, is 
siblings, we have this bond. Mm-hmm. Even when we don't say it over the phone, mm-hmm. you can sense when your sister or brother is right. hurting. Right. And he probably called his sister one day and could hear that she was either crying or struggling. And she's mm-hmm. like, and he goes, so what else has been going on? And, you know, maybe she went, Eleanor. And he was like, oh, maybe it should right. come out for the summer. And there's this right. thing. And like. I have a very strange feeling that Eleanor's mom wrote to him and said, I need you to figure out something to do for her. This is not a safe space. Right. And it just, it just feels, it feels like. I want to believe that her mom would do that for her. I mean, she did get her out once. She did find her a safe space once. Right. But then you brought her back and let him take down the shower curtain. It's disgusting. You work with what you got, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I've never been in that situation. I cannot say what I would do. You know what I mean? Because while I have had my fair share of trauma and we've talked about this on the pod, Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you what I would do if my life and my children's lives were on the line. I know what I think I would do, but until Mm -hmm. I'm in that situation, I don't, I can't say for certain what I would or wouldn't do, you know? Um, I would hope I would not stay with the man that's abusing me and looking at my I, daughter that way. I couldn't. I couldn't let that happen. There's no know. way. There's no way. Um, but I did like the ending. I thought it was really fast paced compared to the yeah. rest of the book. And um, but because it was giving you a sense of urgency, right? It was, and that's what I was going to say. Like you feel that. Like the rest of the book right. is that falling in love which does sometimes take time you know right and then it's the urgency of the and then all of a sudden it's that last part of the marathon you're sprinting at this point you have to you have to get to the finish line right and i do think that they had sex in the truck like it's implied that they did something yeah um but there is you know maybe they didn't actually have sex but i'm pretty sure they did i'm pretty Um, sure they did and um yeah Okay, so my second question, what do you think was on the postcard she sent him? Um, three I, words. Three words. That's what it said. There were three words on the postcard. I love you. God bless you. Because, like, she never says it, right? If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, she never says I love you, even though Park no. does. Park says it. She doesn't. I think it's just, I love you. So, I mean, you know, I probably, when I read it the first time, I love you was definitely what I was thinking it was. Um, Even I miss you, something like that. But then after seeing Gilmore Girls Netflix edition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The final words are, I'm pregnant. um, You think it's something that really I could, it could have been, it's a girl, it's a boy, uh, we have a baby. It could have been any of those things. I still th- want to believe that it's I love you or I miss you. Um, but they do talk about, he's like, I don't want you to get pregnant. She's like, I don't care. Right. Um, so it could be that. I don't know. I want it to be I love you. And I want, I want them it to, to be have, I love you. And I want them to have a chance to get back together as they get older and are both in safe spaces. But right. I, it feels unrealistic to me. It so does. like I'm actually glad that Rainbow Rowell hasn't written a sequel. I want a sequel to Fangirl. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I want oh, a sequel to Fangirl. Rainbow, you hear us? We want Fangirl. that. Not, stop writing Simon So and give Come us a For fuck's sake. For stop writing 
next time it's snow, snow and give us more calf and Levi. <laughs> For God's sakes, please. Um, but I don't want a sequel to Eleanor and Park because I want that story to be. I like it being open ended, and mm-hmm. I feel like you would really divide the fandom at this point. Yeah, and I feel like it's more realistic. High schoolers right. don't usually stay together, no. and they're in no. different states, and especially in the eighties, like right. long distance charging was a yeah, thing. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, didn't we talk about we talked about in the wedding date what it was like to have a long distance relationship? Imagine that being in the eighties, like crazy. No hard pass. Right. No. No. Thank you. But also, she's healing from her trauma, and that's going right. to be a, a process that right. she needs to and, do. And I mean, like. Getting to be with her siblings and not living in fear and getting yeah. to shower every day without worrying yeah. about somebody walking in and yeah. like having a normal sense of life right. is what that girl needed at the end of that book. Period. And I mean, we're just making the assumption that her siblings and mom are with her, but God, we I would hope so. We definitely know they're out of that house by the end of the book. Right. Because like he's driving drunk and yeah. And park oh, by the house and, and mo and notices that there's no toys there anymore. So I you know really wanted him to kick his ass. Oh so my gosh. Hard. I was hoping do that crazy jujitsu kick that he did on the other guy. Like, like I wanted that. I wanted all karate kid like crane. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Um, all right. So uh, this book. Sorry, what were you gonna no, say? It's nothing. This book is full of quotes that I love. Did you have any favorites? I have a few, but I was wondering if you had any favorites. I don't think I do. So my favorites are Eleanor was right. She never looked nice. She looked like art, and art wasn't supposed to look nice. It was supposed to make you feel something. Ah. Oh. I like that. I like that. Um, And you look like a protagonist. She was talking as fast as she could think. You look like the person who wins in the end. You're so pretty and so good. You have magic eyes, she was That is good. That's good, too. And this one. I just want to break that song into pieces and love all of them to death. Oh, that's good, too. And see, that's what I remembered about this book, was those things that made me feel something, you know? Right, feel love and, yeah, not the the trauma of it. Not the trauma. No, and, you know, when I talk about this book, or I would recommend this book, I would talk about the love story first, and Mm -hmm. then the trauma. Mm -hmm. It's like there's an A and B storyline, while the B storyline is just as important as the A storyline, I'm just going to focus on that one because it's a lot easier to deal with. And I think my brain blocked out the the trauma. No, never. (laughs) Brains don't do that. We don't need that part of the story. (laughs) Um, So last question. This isn't, the setting isn't the typical modern day. So what do you think about this? It's set in 1980, what did I say? 86? Um, well, so what do you think, how does this help the story? I really like it. And for a myriad of reasons, you're getting mm-hmm. the good music. We're, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, great music. Great music. Um, you're getting like, the, they talk about TV and the movies mm-hmm. and it's, and the vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, that's my train of thought. Shit. Um, but what I like about it is. Most YA romance like this mm-hmm. are set in modern day. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and taking it back just a smidge, it gives it a whole different sense of t- 
time and place, literally and metaphorically, right? Mm-hmm. You can literally detach yourself from modern day mm-hmm. and go back in time. And it gives the characters... It takes away modern convenience in the mm-hmm. story, right? Absolutely. There's absolutely. no texting. There's absolutely I mean, making a phone call. She had to go to her dad's house for yeah, a phone call. Yeah, they didn't call, even have a phone. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and it's just changing that, changing it just a little bit. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a massive change where I had to take a second in. Like, I texted you when I was, like, five chapters in. I was like, is this in the 80s? I was like, it literally says that on the first page. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm listening to the audiobook, and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and Sorry. I was like, oh. But it took me that little time while listening to the audiobook to notice that subtle change. Mm-hmm. And it made me like the story more. Yeah. What and about I, you? I, I, um, I liked the change. Um, mm-hmm. It felt... You know, authentic to me, I guess. Um, Rainbow Rowell was born in 1973, so she wouldn't have quite been a teenager when this book I mean, came out. But I was three. It was right, right. I right in '86. Um, right, I was five. Um, <laughs> but like, but I don't know Rainbow Rowell's life. I don't know if she experienced trauma as a kid. God, I hope not. I really hope God, not. I hope not. But. If you want to come on and talk about it, we will, Rainbow. (laughs) Oh my gosh, we would love it. We'll even steer clear of personal questions if you don't want to talk about that, but we will just love to talk to you because, oh my gosh. Right, period. But not Simon Snow. Don't fucking bring us Simon Snow for the love of God. (laughs) I tried. I listened to like an hour of the audiobook and I was like, I can't. This is like Harry Potter and I can't. No, it's not even Harry Potter because it irritated me in fangirl. Moving on. Mm. Anyway, anyway, I I feel like stop that. she uh, <laughs> I feel like she's writing from an authentic place. I feel like she's writing uh, a trauma that she witnessed, or at least she's setting it in a time and a place that is comfortable to her. Right. And I have to say, um, technically, that makes this book historical fiction, and I like it. You're like, are you are you counting it as historical fiction? Well, I, I, not for our challenge, I counted it as realistic fiction, but, um, but yeah, is historical fiction on our challenge? Not relevant to this. Not relevant. But but anyway, it's technically historical fiction since it takes place in the 80s. 80s. And it is 2022. And, um, I think the book is beautiful. It's well written. It is beautiful. Um, it's words that stay with you. I mean, I want to break it into pieces and love all of them. Right. It's, um. It's, I don't know how something can be so beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. Oh my gosh. It's like Up. It's like the movie Up. You I was, are I, so fucking broken after the first right. five minutes of that movie. Right. Like, and you know, every time in this book, every time you think Eleanor is going to get a break, you know, mm-hmm. she spends time with Park and mm-hmm. she's at his house and they're just listening to music or whatever. Right. And then she has to go back. To, like, it's a yeah. break from her reality. And every time she has to go back to her real world, it just demolishes like, you all over again because you're like, oh, yeah, shit. But it's she so, literally lives in a war zone. It's so real to what she was experiencing. We're experiencing right. that with her. She's. She's at Park's house. She's safe. She's comfortable. Now she's back in the place that's traumatizing. Yep. Um, 
And that's I, so realistic for yeah, so many people. 100%. Even today, it is 100%. awful. And you know what? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna put um, uh, domestic abuse hotlines in the notes. I'm gonna yeah. um, family trauma links right. for CPS, all that jazz. If you know someone or you are facing this type of situation yourself, you do right. not have to be in it. There you are not people and programs. Right. Hell, email us. We will call the cops. I don't we care. Will. We will. I, 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 I 100% support see something, say something. 100%. Yes. yes. And, and, and as a teacher, it is my job to report these things. Like, I it's have It's not my to. job, but fucking see something, come fight me. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, think, I think going back to your point about the modern, having it set in modern times, I do think things are reported more frequently now than they right. were in the 80s. Well, and... Like, Park would have been on his phone with his ear pods in, and he would have never been reading his comics. Or if he was reading his comics, he would have had earbuds in, and he would have been flipping through the comic, and he would have never acknowledged her. She would have right. sat down in the seat while he was sitting against the window, right. and this none of this shit would have happened. Right. And I mean, to be fair, it was written in 2012, so that wasn't happening as frequently as it is in 2022 right. either. Right. But anyway, anything else you want to talk about? Or can I talk, share what we're going to do week. next week? Let's All right, talk so about next week. Next week, we are reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Which I haven't started yet. E. E. Schwab. <laughs> um, and I finished it. And Molly hasn't read it. so Which is um, odd for us. being I have the special genre. edition of this as well. Um, it's beautiful. So I'll show off some of that when we do this next week. It is my genre. And Molly will I... be hosting. It, it is I gotta daughter. read it. And then uh the, the following week we will have on Chazzy. Francesca Zappio will be here on the pod to talk about her newest book, oh, Chazzy Yammer. And um we're, we're gonna we're talk about all things books. We're, we're gonna, gonna talk, talk that about book. things, yeah. We're gonna um, talk about writing, we're gonna talk about uh Eliza. And Liza. we're going to talk about Monstrous Sea because Chessie questions, has if, things. If you have Chessie questions, email us at yes. bookbenches at pot at that. E- Try again. <laughs> email us at- <laughs> Oh my god. Email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com. Right. We're also on social media. You can uh, DM us on Twitter. Uh, it, we don't it's use our Twitter, Twitter as much. No, not Twitter. No, no, um, no Twitter. Instagram, Instagram TikTok, TikTok, and Facebook. Facebook. We're, we're on we're on Twitter, but we never fucking use it. So don't DM us there. Um, I mean, if you, you it, it, we'll see it in a couple months. And that's that. Months. Yeah. In a couple months. But if you want to ask Chessie questions, we are currently working on our question list for her. We are very excited to have her as our first author guest. Can't wait to talk to her more about writing. That was yes. so fun. Yes, I can't wait to talk to her more about Monstrous Sea because <laughs> I so many questions unanswered. I yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. And follow her on social media too. Seriously. She is on TikTok and Instagram. Um, she posts um, some great videos of her artwork. Um, so um, she was her. talking about. Uh, uh, Pokemon this past week. I, love I know, it. and so I was like much. mind blown, mind, mind blown. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, that's what we got coming up for the next two weeks: uh, the Invisible Life of Addie Larue, which is all over the socials, and Cats and Yammer. But more importantly, we have Ray, we have uh, Francesca Zappia. Francesca. Chessie, Chessie, we have her, Chessie. Chessie. 
Um, check out social media for what else is coming up. We post a month ahead of what we're doing, and you can check if, out what we're doing in March. If you are new to the pod, we recently have posted um, yes. a carousel about where to start and what yes. to see. Um, yes. yes, and go check those out because uh, we do – I mean, we're still growing, which is awesome. Um, definitely think – Share us with everybody you know. Yeah, for sure. For real, so you All right, that's it. That's it. For over an hour. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April, not those of anyone else. Today's book was Eleanor in Park by Rainbow Rowell. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins. And music is Sleep Sweetly by Prigida. Don't forget to follow Book Besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the Book Besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com. If you or someone you know is in an unsafe environment and in need of help, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. They even have a chat feature on their website, www.thehotline.org.